you like to better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant, but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Gail. Today, our subject is going to be modern cults identified five ways. Well, cults are on the rise. False religious teachers continue to attract multitudes. Sincere people are being deceived. The stakes are high. It makes all the difference who you follow. More than 900 members of the People's Temple followed their leader Jim Jones on a path of death into the jungles of Guyana in the late 1970s. David Koresh's followers died of fiery death in Waco, Texas. Members of Heaven's Gate evidently listened to their leader, Marshall Applewhite, and committed mass suicide in an affluent Southern Californian suburb. Why were these people deceived? Are there some clear ways to identify false religious teachers? This lesson will present five clear identifying features of a cult to help you keep from being deceived. And Hannah, before we begin looking into the Word of God, would you open with a word of prayer for us? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are our God who give us truth and you, your truth make us free. Father, as we study your words and open your scripture, we invite your Holy Spirit to um, fill us and please guide us, lead us that you may be the teacher and we may all learn from you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, We'll begin in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at three verses in Matthew 24 to begin. What did Jesus say regarding false religious leaders at the time of the end, Hannah? If you'd read for us verse 5, 11 and 24. Sure. Verse 5, it says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 24, false Christ and false prophet will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Wow, a lot of verse, these verses all say that a lot of false Christ or false prophets will rise and deceive us. Yes, Hannah, and when God says it three times, that's great emphasis. Mm. He truly wants us to be aware of that fact. Yeah, and even the elect will be deceived, so we need to be very careful. We need to know what the Bible says. Yes. Well, how can we be kept from the powerful delusions of the enemy? John chapter 8 and verse 32. This is the Gospel of John. John chapter 8 and verse 32. It says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So God's word is truth. That's right. Yeah. Um, he will 
um, the, if we know the truth, we won't be confused. We will know the truth and be free. We'll be guarded. Yes. Be free from delusion and That's right. deception. Mm. Well, Hannah, we're now going to look at some identifying features of a cult. And the first feature is cults usually have a single powerful human leader who becomes the cult's messiah. So we need to take note of that. That's mm-hmm. a very important feature. Now, what do the scriptures say regarding placing implicit confidence in a human being for salvation? Psalm 146, verse 3. It says, Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom there is no help. Wow. It's so easy for us to trust people, but it says that do not put your trust in princes. Mm, We should put our trust in God. Correct. And who is the sole source of our salvation? Well, you've said God, Hannah. Let's look at the (laughs) scriptures that will confirm that answer. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, and then we'll do Acts 4, verse 12. Yeah. Isaiah 45, 22, it says, Look to me and be saved, all you... Um, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. God said that look to me and be saved. We need to be looking at God. Amen. And we go to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Jesus is the only source, Hannah, of our salvation, as you have read and expressed. Cult leaders focus attention upon themselves rather than Jesus. They manipulate the minds of their followers. They become substitute saviors or counterfeit messiahs. That's a very important feature Mm. to be aware of. But remembering the truth will set you free in God's word. Amen. Now, the second identifying feature of a cult, the cult leader's word or the teachings of the cult become absolute truth, overshadowing the teachings of the scriptures. And what does Jesus say about placing the teachers the teachings of any human being above the word of God mm. in Mark seven verse seven, Hannah? It says, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Mm. Not about not the commandment of God, but commandment of man. And it's in vain. Mm. What about Luke 11 and verse 52? It says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourself, and those who were entering in you hindered. The key of knowledge, God's word. Human wisdom can never be replaced by godly wisdom. Yeah, we know that our heart is very deceitful. We think it's right, but in God's way, it's very different. And there are things that looks good, but it can lead us to death as well. Wow. So we truly need to know what God's word says, Hannah. Yes. 
Yes. What counsel does the Apostle Paul give us to help us to avoid being deceived? First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, Test all things, hold fast what is good. Very important to test it. And we would test it by the Word of God. Mm. What does Isaiah say? Isaiah says a very important thing in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. He said, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So if it's 99% in harmony with the Bible and 1% not... It's still no. <laughs> it's no light. Mm, there's no light. Mm. I know that I've seen little experiments of where they do glasses of water and just put a little bit of pink colouring in one. Yes. But just a tiny little drop mm. will change the colour of the water. That's right. Or a tiny little drop of poison into the water mm. that you cannot see. That's right. Will change it. Everything. Mm. It's so important. The little things must add up to what the Bible says. Amen. What is the only standard by which we can evaluate truth in the words of Jesus, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17 and verse 17? He said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify, set them apart. By your truth. God's word will set us apart to know what is true. Mm. And that, as we've been expressing, yes, there's only one source of truth, God's word. Yeah. It's a reliable guide. The old poem states it correctly when it asks, What says the Bible, the blessed Bible to me? The teachings of men so often mislead me. What says the Bible? the blessed Bible to me, this my only question be. Now we'll look at identifying Mark feature, feature number three. Each cult uses pressure tactics to coerce its members into submission. Hmm. How does the Bible emphasize the necessity of freedom of choice? In Joshua, in the Old Testament, chapter 24 and verse 15. It says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served were on the other side of the river, on the gods of the Ammonites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm. Amen. Yeah, I love this. How um, we have choice to serve God and God honor that choice or respect that choice as well. Mm. Correct, Hannah. Absolutely. God is a gentleman. He never forces That's his, right. his will upon us. Mm. What does he say in Revelation 22 and verse 17? The Bible says... Uh, verse 17 and the spirit and the bride said come and let him who hears said come and let him who thirsts come whoever desires let him take the water of life freely so it's a free choice yes 
But why wouldn't we want to choose that? Mm, amen. The devil uses deception and force. He uses lies and pressure. Mm. He uses falsehoods and coercion as his weapons. God uses the freedom of choice, the power of truth, and the attraction of love. That's a very important point. Identifying feature number four, cults regularly appeal to miracles as a sign of their divine credentials. Mm. Certainly God can and does work miracles. False religious teachers exploit this truth for their benefit. They appeal to the spectacular, the sensational, as some sort of divine sign rather than a changed life. How does the ultimate false religious teacher, the beast power of revelation, deceive a majority of the earth? Revelation 13, verse 13. It says, He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Wow. So the devil, obviously, um, deceives people through the great signs and miracles. So we can't always go by signs and miracles. Mm, we can't. Can the devil perform supernatural signs? <laughs> Revelation sixteen fourteen. And Revelation 19, 20. It says, For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So, yes, they were performing signs. He mm. certainly can. He can. What about Revelation nineteen twenty? It says, then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked sign in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of the fire, burning with brimstone. Mm. Yes. They certainly can work signs and wonders yeah. and miracles, mm. but not to bring glory to God. No to deceive people. Why will so many be deceived by the false signs and miracles? 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through to 12. The coming of the Lord's one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Verse 12, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Wow. They loved unrighteousness or darkness even more than they loved the truth. It's so sad. The only safeguard against deception is a love for the truth, mm. and as you have said, truth is more important than so-called supernatural signs. Satan can counterfeit signs, but God's truth provides a solid foundation for our faith. We truly need to know what the Bible says so we will be able to discern between truth 
and error. Amen. The identifying feature number five, cults often urge these converts to leave their families. By isolating family members, they accomplish their brainwashing tactics. Biblical Christianity calls men and women to follow Jesus and stand for truth, but it also calls them to witness to their families. Mm. And if you'd read for us 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Sure. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 13 and 14, it says, And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. So there's a blessing to bless your family Mm. and actually when you discover Jesus and you give your heart to Jesus it just makes you more loving yes that is true you just wouldn't you just want to love your family Mm. more that that is true Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32 and 33 it says this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his own own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband when we respect each other mm. when we re- value each other yeah. there's peace and harmony mm. in the home Amen. not and in society i believe as well that respecting one another mm. well cults flourish because they offer broken lonely people a family atmosphere. Well, when we are united to Christ, what does he offer us? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. The Bible says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sin. Amen. And if you'd also read for us Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Yes. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chef cornerstone. So we become fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Yes, what a wonderful news. <laughs> Amen. In Christ, we are accepted, Hannah. We are forgiven. We are children of God. We become members of the royal family of heaven. Jesus is a leader worthy of our allegiance. His word is a safe guide. The greatest miracle is the miracle of a changed life. In Christ, we have the greatest sense of belonging. Mm. Now, whom is God's last day message a call to worship supremely? Revelation 14 and verse 7. It says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. So we worship at the Creator God. 
Amen. And in worshipping him, we're going to find our belonging. Yes. God's last day message is a call to give our undivided allegiance to our loving creator. It's a call to give our total allegiance to him. Mm. God is looking for men, for women, for young people who will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's pleading who will listen to his voice and follow him in spite of the obstacles, who will not devotedly adhere to the voice of an earthly religious leader rather than his voice, who will not deny the voice of the Holy Spirit to their heart to listen to some human voice, who will be true to conscience at any cost. This is a very powerful quote here, Hannah. Like to uh, read this one, the greatest want of the world. Yes, it is from Education page fifty-seven. The greatest want of the world is the want of men, men who will not be uh, bought or sold, men who in their inmost souls are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whom conscience is as true to duty as needle to the pole, men who would stand for the right thought, the heaven fall. Well, the world has a need of men like this. That's right. Will you be God's man, God's woman? Will you say, Lord, I choose to listen to your voice and your voice alone? I cannot, I must not, I will not allow another's voice to drown out the voice of your spirit. I will be loyal to you at all cost. Well, what amazing promise does Jesus give each one of us regarding the ministry of the Holy Spirit? John sixteen, thirteen. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit guides us yes. in our search for truth. Mm. It is such a promise because we can be deceived so easily, but we have the comfort that we have um, God, the spirit of truth, who would guide us into all truth. Amen. The Holy Spirit is Christ's divine representative on earth. We need not to make any religious leader our source of truth. Mm. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. As you've said there, Hannah. Well, what is the simple, most important factor in understanding truth? John seven seventeen. That's the Gospel of John. Yes. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Anyone wills to do his will. So... Mm. Whoever willing to do God's will. To choose him. Yes. As Joshua, as you read before. Yes. Choose you this day mm. whom you will serve. Hannah, there's some beautiful extra scriptures we could look at yes. about God. And let's begin by looking in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. Because God is a God of truth. If you would read for us Deuteronomy 
32 verse 4. Sure. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his way are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Oh, I love this verse. Very powerful. Mm. We're, we're actually concentrating in on that word truth. Yes. And there it is in the middle of that verse. Yes, God of truth and without injustice. There's no unrighteousness or injustice in him. Amen. Now let's look at Psalm 94 verse 1, where God's truth is our shield. Sure. 91 verse, verse 4. 4. He shall cover you with his and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. It's going to protect us. Yes. Ah, oh, shield. Mm. Even deception comes, we can uh, protect ourselves through his word. Amen. Let's look at Psalm 119, verse 142. God's law is truth. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Mm. So we cannot go wrong honoring God's Ten Commandments. Amen. What about God's word is truth in Psalm 119, verse 160? It says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous um, judgment endures forever. Wow. Mm-hmm. So from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22, the whole Bible is true. Yes, that's right. All scripture is inspired by God. So it's all important. All of them are truth. Amen. Now, Jesus obviously spoke the truth, but let's read it in this Holy Scriptures. Malachi 2 and verse 6, the last book of the Old Testament. Sure. Malachi writes... Malachi chapter 2 verse 6 it says the law of truth was in his mouth and injustice was no fun on his lips he walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity amen that's what he came to do is to speak the truth that's right and by his words he dispelled darkness Mm. John Chapter 14, verse 6 is a very well-known verse, Hannah. Yes. About Jesus. Yeah. John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the truth. When you find him, there's great peace. Amen. There's no more confusion. Mm. And you find it all in his word. Mm. Amen. Now let's look. We did look at this in our study, but let's do a refresher on Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. The love of truth keeps us from deception. Yeah. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they may be saved. Mm. It's not enough to just read it. Mm. We need to know the, who it's about. We That's need right. to love him. Mm. Love the truth. Yeah. Love God's word. Mm. Amen. 
the love of truth preserves us from false teachers. Psalm 40, verse 11. It says, Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. Mm. His loving kindness and truth would preserve us, protect us. Amen. Mm. I love this one. The holy city is the city of truth. The book of Zechariah, chapter 8 and verse 3 says, Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Wow. And accepting his words of truth prepares us for our eternal home. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Because of the hope which is light up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Who would not want to know the truth and follow the truth? Mm. When we long to know truth and do God's will, the Holy Spirit will lead us. When you seek for me and search for me with all your heart, you will find me. God is looking for men and women with pure hearts. Mm. Well, this is our decision, and I pray this will be your decision as you listen. Dear Lord, I commit myself to doing your will. Looking to Jesus as my personal Savior, I choose to follow your truth and obey your word. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, as we make this choice today to choose you and to follow you and obey your word, we invite the Holy Spirit to continually guide us in that pathway of truth that we will be able to discern between error and truth, Mm -hmm. that we will not be deceived, that we would be more loving in our families, that we would put your word in our hearts and minds, and we would find that you are a refuge and strength, a very present help when we are in trouble, that we may run to you and we will experience your protection and your guidance. Thank you for guiding us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's been really wonderful to study this topic today, Hannah, and it's been such a blessing. And I hope you've been blessed as you listen at home, as Hannah and I have been studying together here. And we invite you to join us again next time. Until then, may God bless you and go in peace. If you have questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, 
You can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, dot org dot au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc, PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support.
Charlie Defong saying, I look to you. And up next, Marsha William will sing Psalm 23.
This is the Clark family singing Living in Me. Jesus, name above all others, your power is strong enough to save. Your glory is brighter than my eyes can see. You're the one who's living in me. Jesus, name above all others. Your power is strong enough to save. Your glory is brighter than my eyes can see. And you're the one who's living in me. To talk to the one who filled the oceans And I get to walk with the one who died for me Lord, you're holy, holy It amazes me that you're the one who's living in me the captives free, raise the dead and cause the blind to see, and you're the one who's living in me, and you're the one who walked on the water, and you're the one who set the captives free. to see and you're the one who's living in me and I get to talk to the one who filled the oceans and I get to walk with the one who died for me Lord you're holy holy it amazes me that you're the one who's living in me 
God's Favourite Shepherds, a collection of 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters, with many of the stories ending with a short quiz. Listen now to the author of God's Favourite Shepherds, Bill Ackland. Today's story is about a person you don't hear much about in the Bible, but there is a story around this lady. The title of the story is My Sister Zipporah, with the subheading, A Strong Wife for a Strong Leader. The story is based on Exodus chapters 2, 4 and 18, and Numbers chapter 10. We are seven sisters, daughters of a priest of Midian. Our father believes in the true God, as there are still a number of people in Midian who do. Our only brother is Hobab, older and wiser than we. He helps our father run the family's affairs. Although I might say that our father Jethro, meaning excellence, a title given him because of his position, is wise enough and needs little help. However, our father is looking to the future, for Hobab will be the head of the family when our father is no longer with us. Father's family name is Reuel, which means friend of God. I cannot imagine a more wonderful name. Our brother's name means beloved. We not only love him as our brother, our only brother, but also because he is kind to us and does not treat us unfairly just because we are females. My sisters and I care for our father's sheep He has quite a large flock, so it takes all seven of us to care for them. One day, one of my sisters was looking in the direction of Egypt and called out to us, Look, there is a man coming this way. He looks like he is in a hurry. I hope he's a good man. We did not have long to wait to find out, but before he came to where we were watering the sheep, some other shepherds who wanted to water their sheep drove our sheep away. By then the man of Egypt arrived at the watering trough. Seeing us being treated unjustly, he told the shepherds to stand back. He was only one man, but spoke with such an air of authority that the shepherds moved away, while our new friend made us sure every last sheep of ours had water to drink. This was such good news that we hurried home with the sheep to tell our father, leaving the man sitting back at the watering trough. Breathlessly, we told our father what had happened. Well, he said, where is this kind man? Go, bring him to our tents, that we may share the evening meal with him. So Zipporah, our eldest sister, and some of us, brought the man to our home. He was obviously relieved to have somewhere to stay, as he was very tired after his long and hurried journey from Egypt. As the days and weeks passed, Our father employed him to help manage his livestock. Little by little, this new family member taught us all about his background and why he had come to Midian. We were amazed that we now had in our home the Prince of Egypt. I called him a new family member because our father gave him his eldest daughter Zipporah, meaning female bird, to be his wife. Moses was delighted, for we all thought that Zipporah was the most beautiful 
of all of our seven girls, and we are sure that Moses thought so too. Over the next several years, Zipporah bore two sons to Moses, the eldest Gershom, meaning sojourner, and the younger Eliezer, meaning my God is a helper. Knowing what Moses had gone through so far in his life, we understood why he chose these names for his sons. The years passed slowly, like a great river flowing slowly across a wilderness plain. It was 40 years since Moses had come into our family. We were all a close family. Then something happened to Moses that was radically to change his life, the life of his own family, and to a lesser extent, the lives of the rest of us, particularly Hobab. Having taken some sheep towards a significant mountain a distance away from our family's location, Moses saw a most unusual sight. It was a desert bush that burnt brightly, but did not burn up. After watching it for a few moments, Moses thought he would go closer to try to see if it was real fire and why the bush had not burned up by then. Suddenly, he heard a loud voice calling out from the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses knew it was the voice of God, but all he could say was, Here I am. Do not come any closer, but take off your sandals, for where you are standing is holy ground, God said. God proceeded to tell Moses that he knew what was happening to his people and that he was about to deliver them from slavery. He said that Moses was to be the one he would use to accomplish this. I do not know all that was said, but Moses made immediate plans to return to Egypt after 40 years with us. He would take his wife and sons with him. God told Moses that Aaron, his brother, was coming out from Egypt to meet him, and that he would be his mouthpiece. Of course, Moses had been trained in the art of speech, destined as he was to be Pharaoh some day, but having spoken mostly to sheep for 40 years, he felt inadequate to do what God had told him to do. Some time went by. One day my father heard the descendants of Jacob, known as the children of Israel, had been released from Egypt and had made their way to Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. To ensure their safety, Moses had sent Zipporah and their sons back to us not long after he arrived in Egypt. So Father decided to escort Moses' family back to him to be reunited with their husband and father. It was a happy reunion, and Moses was as pleased to see his father-in-law as he was to see his own family. Our father stayed a few days and learnt of the amazing signs and punishments God had performed in Egypt to persuade Pharaoh to let Israel go out of Egypt to worship him in the wilderness. However, my father was stunned when he saw Moses spending long hours every day in the hot summer sun, giving judgments on all sorts of matters the people brought to him for a decision. What are you doing, my son, he asked. Here you are, just one man, trying to be all things to these people. It's just too much for you. If you don't have a better plan, you will wear yourself out. Who then will judge the people? You must choose wise men from all the tribes and make them rulers over thousands, hundreds, 
fifties and tens. Then you should judge only the difficult cases. This is the word I have received from God for you. And if you do as I have said, you will be blessed and the people will be blessed too. Fortunately, Moses was a humble man. He agreed that Jethro had given him good advice. So he instituted the plan that his father-in-law had suggested. Shortly after this, our father returned to our home. Our brother Hobab had accompanied our father to escort Moses' family to him at Sinai. When father returned home, Hobab had stayed on, intending to return home a little later. However, Moses knew that Hobab was more familiar with the surrounding region than he was. He wanted him to be a guide through the difficult country the children of Israel would have to negotiate on their way to Canaan. At first our brother said that he must return to his home and all his relatives, to the familiar territory in which he had grown up. But Moses pressed the issue and finally persuaded him to accompany the mighty multitude that had grown from only 70 people to a nation of over 2 million people in only a little over 200 years. We were sad to see our brother go. We feel glad he was with our brother-in-law, who had found his way to our home over 40 years ago, married Zipporah, had two sons, and was now God's leader, taking his people to what they knew as the Promised Land. We never saw Zipporah again, but we had had the pleasure of her company as our elder sister for many decades. We realised too that moving from place to place, from one tribal group to another, and from one country to another, was what many people did in our day. New lands were being discovered even hundreds of years after the Great Flood. Sapora, a female bird, making a lovely nest for her family and a safe retreat from the weighty responsibilities of her husband Moses. Sapora, in her own right, was a leader too. And now I have a brief quiz for you. Where did Moses go after he fled from Egypt? Moses met a group of sisters looking after their father's sheep. What was the father's name? We know the name of only one of these sisters. What was it? What was the brother's name? And what good plan did Jethro urge Moses to accept? been listening to God's Favoured Shepherds, a book with 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters. If you have any comments or questions, or to obtain a copy of this book, give us a call within Australia on 02-4973-3456, or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.